0: Part two, Chapters fourteen and fifteen of On Piety by Jean Joubert. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part two, The Fruits of Piety. Chapter fourteen, Piety expands and rules the heart. Piety does not leave the heart indifferent, since it is by touching the heart that it moves the will but the heart is not only capable of being moved it is by nature a power of loving does piety afford it so far as this is concerned full satisfaction it is a calumny against piety to say that it makes the heart narrow and cold the truth is that it expands the heart while regulating it how could piety close the heart to pure affections since it is in itself an impulse of love would it really be a life if it did not turn to love since the apostle st john warns us that he that loveth not abideth in death one john chapter three verse fourteen moreover he who is its source willed that the first word of his commandment should be thou shalt love mark chapter twelve verse thirty and when he came among men in the person of jesus christ he said that his commandment was love to the need of love created by his hands in the heart of man he has further added the command to love he has done still more for lest the human heart should go astray or lose itself in the void he has himself set before it the things to love thou shalt love the lord thy god thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself mark chapter twelve verse thirty one now piety is the sovereign means of opening the heart to love god and our neighbour there is no doubt that piety is doing its proper work in setting the heart towards god and in carrying it to god under the impulse of love for if it be true that love takes its rise in the soul not by dint of reasoning or counsel but under the influence of the charm exercised by greatness goodness and beauty combined whoever gives himself to piety will be brought by it under the spell of the divine fascination it calls us constantly into the presence of god it requires the eyes of our faith to be abidingly fixed upon his attributes it leaves us face to face with him until we are led on from admiration to intimacy in order to fix our attention upon him more effectively it shows him to us living in flesh like ours veiling his splendour enough for us to draw near And yet allowing enough rays of beauty and goodness to come through to kindle love in our hearts in jesus christ it is love itself that piety offers us love suffering and dying for us in mental prayer at mass in holy communion in the depths of our own heart everywhere piety speaks to us of jesus and says he is there he loves thee he calls thee he is waiting for thee from the time of saint paul to our own days what a glow of love has not piety enkindled what burning words have sprung from the hearts of saints beginning with the humble confession of saint peter lord thou knowest that i love thee john chapter twenty one verse seventeen down to the cry of the soul uttered by la whence did st augustine st bernard st francis of assisi st teresa st vincent de paul and so many others get the feelings that filled their hearts and bosoms and breathed forth in sighs so full of love unless it were in exercises of piety never weary of communion with god their piety moulded their hearts to the love of god and of christ jesus but where the love of god rules there too rules the love of our neighbour by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another john chapter thirteen verse thirty five and saint john commenting on this word of the master says in turn if any man say i love god and hateth his brother he is a liar for he that loveth not his brother whom he seeth how can he love god whom he seeth not and this commandment we have from god that he who loveth god love also his brother one john chapter four verses twenty and twenty one it seems as if god would not accept an abstract love on our part he only considers real and puts down to our credit the concrete love that we yield to him in the persons of our brethren furthermore he does not want us to put on merely an appearance of love and merely to imitate its generous promptings he wishes this love to be real and the heart to expand and to surrender itself ostentatious piety which is lacking in depth does not inspire real love but only produces imitations of it whereas true piety that stirs the heart to its depths makes true love spring up in it there are pious hearts like that of st vincent de paul which are moved by the distress of others which gather cast off children which protect innocence which visit the sick and clothe the naked which provide work or bread for those who are dying of hunger and which extend the hand of sympathy to all who are weak when i see hearts untouched by the sufferings of others and which pass by in indifference or even turn away from those in rags i say that true piety has never imbued them there are pious hearts like that of st francis of sales belonging to those who with a smile on their lips and with benevolence within fill those who have recourse to them with peace and joy and impregnated with the perfume of christ they fill all who see them with the balm of happiness there is no true piety in those whose sullen mien and arid speech breathe selfishness and strike cold into the soul there are pious hearts like st paul's or st francis Xavier's, which are moved at seeing towns and whole nations given over to idolatry and vice in which zeal inspires the generous surrender of self to go to the ends of the earth And to spread the good news of salvation at the cost of labours innumerable. There is no true piety in those dead hearts who feel no pain at hearing their God blasphemed or at seeing souls perish. Those too have pious hearts who by their friendliness offer a warm and sure shelter to the discouraged or disillusioned, to repentant prodigals and the wounded in life's battle and to those whose steps are beginning to be insecure he that hath found a friend hath found a treasure says holy scripture ecclesiasticus chapter six verse fourteen and the human heart becomes this inestimable treasure when it is permeated through and through by piety on the contrary neither the affection nor the faithfulness of the heart is assured if god do not reign within it by piety would that persons in religion might make those around them feel that piety has neither closed nor hardened their hearts if they make themselves loved it is god himself who will be loved in them piety however not only expands but at the same time rules and guards the heart having a heart is not at all the same thing as being given up to the caprice of sentimentalism it is not to be without heart to withdraw it from pillage and corruption the heart indeed is exposed to a double danger it may be mistaken as to its object and go astray or it may push its feeling to excess and thus lose its fineness and equilibrium it goes astray when it gets attached to things that were not made for it in every situation in marriage as in the cloister there are illegitimate affections that must be banished affections which would upset order in a heart or in a household the heart is lost if it allows itself to be taken by such deceitful bait it becomes poisoned and destroys its own virtue if even in the most lawful affections it urges its feelings to the point of febrile delirium the wastage of soul wrought by violence is already too much but the worst consequences may follow upon the fall of the heart into sensualism for mean and ignoble things might occur to defile and tarnish hearts that more reserve would have maintained in honour. But no power has such influence as piety to keep the heart within the right limits, to preserve it from shame, to withhold it if necessary from the slough of the senses. Piety then acts by means of the religious thoughts that it suggests and by the graces that it obtains. God sees me, then says the soul in which piety is alive. I will not offend his eyes, he loves me, and I will not deal a mortal blow at my Father's heart. He has made my soul his temple, and I will not defile the sanctuary in which he dwells. I have solemnly made him the entire gift of my heart, and I will not break my word. And then my heart is my very life if i let my heart go i shall lose my life and i shall scatter its strength and bring to naught all that in my zeal i would attain to under the sway of such thoughts as these and many others the will grows stronger prayer rises to the lips with intensity and the help of god comes down the heart is shielded from danger perhaps kept from sin and a life is saved chapter fifteen piety calms the senses of all the promises of life that are given by piety there is none more consoling to the heart of the christian than that of victory over the flesh and peace of the senses nothing indeed is more humiliating and more painful to a soul united to god than the base rebellion of the flesh and the delirium of the senses st paul himself complains of it bitterly in his epistle to the romans for the good which i will i do not he says but the evil which i will not that i do now if i do that which i will not it is no more i that do it but sin that dwelleth in me i find then a law that when i have a will to do good evil is present with me for i am delighted with the law of god according to the inward man but i see another law in my members fighting against the law of my mind and captivating me in the law of sin that is in my members unhappy man that i am who shall deliver me from the body of this death the grace of god by jesus christ our lord Therefore, I myself with the mind serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Romans chapter 7 verses 19 through 25. This inner war between the spirit and the flesh, between goodness and sin, has for its battleground every human heart. Its violence varies, no doubt, according to age and temperament, but with slight differences every soul is an arena where virtue and honour are at stake there are those who yield early to the struggle whether it be weakness of character blindness of spirit or intoxication of the senses they acquiesce in defeat and bow their heads under the degrading yoke of lust perhaps they summon excuses to their aid but the most learned theories do not lift the shame from their conscience nor the burden of such a slavery on the other hand there are men who never lay down their arms and who even if cast down at times never admit that they are defeated these are valiant and noble souls some struggle on year after year without bringing their enemy to the ground others have a speedier triumph and remain if they are vigilant masters of the field history records the names of these pure souls who have overcome the flesh with the spirit from the times of a saint agnes a saint cecilia a saint lucy down to the chaste maidens of our own days since the ages of a saint benedict a saint bernard a saint francis of assisi down to the saintly christians of today and including the ranks of the religious and of the priests of the present time pure souls have been innumerable even in the midst of the corruption of the world they have arisen modest but brave as a living protest and they have not ceased to bear witness to man's power to establish the control of the spirit over the flesh their peace has been bought by hard fighting for it is not from want of struggles that they have been chaste, but they have become so by going through temptations triumphantly it is told of st gertrude that after a violent storm of passion she said to god but where wast thou lord while thy servant was shaken in the tempest and a voice replied from the inner depths of her heart i was in the very centre of thy soul and there i was helping thee in thy victory such is the reward of virtue the senses only remain in subjection after they have been reduced to slavery and what through so many ages has given to so many great souls this dominion over the flesh this strange power to control the senses to acute observers it appears to be the result neither of energy of character nor the particular fruit of intellectual ability but the proper gift of piety a great modern philosopher Hippolyte ten noted it well it is piety and particularly piety towards the eucharist that makes souls chaste as the fury of wild beasts falls beneath the sweeping gaze and under the caressing hand of the tamer as the violence of waves breaks down and grows calm in the ring of soft oil that surrounds the threatened ship in the open sea so the brute passions of the flesh become calm in the beneficent atmosphere of piety lust the wild animal lies down trembling and submissive at the feet of christ ruling in the heart by means of piety this happy efficacy of piety is a fact spiritual directors know it and this is why they prescribe piety to sinners as a remedy and to the pure as a safeguard but whence does piety get this quality of power it obtains it first from grace for since it is a prayer and above all a form of communion with god It opens for itself the treasures of grace and takes from them the gifts of preservation and strength. However, mysterious grace may be, it is none the less a real help, the help of God applied to the soul within. Its mode of action escapes our notice, but is none the less deep. What is more within our grasp is the manner of influence of the interior activity within us. Which we call piety so far as we have taken cognizance of it piety besides the grace that it merits tends of itself to produce chastity because it withdraws the soul from the flesh because it deprives the flesh of the feeding ground of sensuality and because it mortifies the senses piety where it is a living reality withdraws the soul from the flesh certainly it cannot in our present conditions altogether detach the soul from the senses but at least it carries it far from all that is low into the higher regions of the moral ideal towards heaven where god calls it and awaits it in fact by means of contemplation it keeps the attention fixed upon god upon christ and the saints it raises the mind into the realm of light by the holy desires that it provokes it awakens the taste for things that are pure and gives the soul a distaste for gross pleasures filling it with celestial delights by the impulses to which it gives rise it tears away the soul from earthly impressions and bears it on towards nobler forms of enjoyment piety being by nature and interior impulse liberates the soul from the prison of the senses to introduce it unshackled into the kingdom of life and at the same time as it strips the soul free from its bonds piety takes away from the flesh that which fosters its lusts and stimulates its rebellion there is no doubt that unwholesome performances and wanton pictures are the fuel of dangerous excitement for the senses when they are imprinted on the sense perception it is possible that no disturbance may arise but they remain there as a leaven of evil and they develop in the dark until they break forth into fearful incitements to what is wrong Piety, which counsels modesty, puts the soul on its guard against looks of frivolity and curiosity, against worldly talk, and against imprudent reading. It watches at the gate of the soul to close it against the entry of all sensations that may do injury to its peace. But this vigilant activity, which we call piety, carries its solicitude still further not satisfied with removing the soul from danger it does not hesitate to attack the enemy in his own dominions and so it practices mortification of the body without stint without depriving the flesh of its necessary sustenance it forbids it exciting gratification such as dainty dishes and highly spirituous drinks for if it is necessary for the flesh to live it is not good for it to get the upper hand daily and diligent work also keeps the flesh under by the continuous wear that it imposes lastly maceration fast discipline and iron chain are so many curbs used by fervent piety to bridle the transports of sensuality and let it not be said that the flesh is thus rather enfeebled than subdued for experience shows that in the chaste life is not extinguished but flourishes in the happy peace which they have secured by means of piety they are the most energetic the most hard-working and the most devoted they are neither enervated nor lessened they are strong because they possess freedom and integrity. Would that piety, attaining its highest activity in all those who profess it, might produce in all Christians this calm of the senses and this increase of the higher life. End of part 2, chapter 15